0: And today it's a social spotlight version of the podcast. And I'm very happy to be joined by NASCAR Chasm. NASCAR Chasm, with his 144,000 Twitter followers, which is more than most NASCAR media members. Amazingly enough, over the years, he's become one of the most popular NASCAR Twitter accounts, period, uh, ranking up there with even some drivers, most of whom, by the way, know NASCAR Chasm through Twitter and interact with him on a regular basis. Despite cracking jokes and making fun of the sport and drivers and things like that, NASCAR Chasm has been able to do it with good humor and stay on most people's good side most of the time. He currently works for NASCAR.com and he lives in Indianapolis where he joined me for the social spotlight. All right, everybody. I'm here with NASCAR Chasm, and we're sitting outside in the humidity at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. There's not really any radio room for us to crash in at the IMS, so we're sitting outside uh, in the, you know the fourth floor of the media center. We're overlooking everybody. We're hearing cars qualify, and we're not disturbing the people who are inside the media center. Who I'm sure you would uh, you feel like you would annoy them.
1: Oh, I feel like I annoy people all the time, so I just figured that would be, uh, you know, kind of sort of my role. You know, I'd just be back to annoying people. That's all I do, man.
0: Well, you are the world's uh, foremost NASCAR internet troll, uh, self-described. And, uh, you know, I, I think well, maybe not, maybe not the foremost part, but the internet troll part. Yeah, I guess so.
1: It's, uh, it's a weird position because if i would ever have a business card i have no idea what i would put on it exactly so that's kind of what i put that's why i put that in the bio because it just seems the most relatable understandable thing
0: well i thought even though we've done a podcast together already this year after the indy 500 and coke 600 very late night where i fell asleep at your house during the coke 600 um but that was actually the most popular post-race podcast i think numbers wise that i've had so far so congrats on that
1: Oh, excellent, excellent, man. I think uh, it had a lot to do with that power nap, man. It really gave you that uh, uh, that added push to get you to the end because that was uh, one hell of a late night, man.
0: Well, I, I was giving you the credit, but not the nap. But um, anyway, I thought we would still do a social spotlight because, you know, you basically are a uh, creation of Twitter in some ways. I mean, like without Twitter, I don't know that you would have had e- even a, a s- small percentage of the opportunities you've gotten. Is that fair to say? Oh, very much. It's uh,
1: it's a one hundred percent ode to that medium. It's a hundred percent ode to people like yourself and others who notice it early on. Um, so I'm I always consider myself to be very, very much in debt not only to Twitter and social media, but also to you know people like yourself who found me and gave me opportunities and so on to uh, keep me where I am right now, sitting on a staircase with Jeff Gluck, man.
0: So uh, let's let's just start sort of from um, the early days and and. Uh, obviously this you've, you've said this story a lot. so the, you know you started I guess an account and you were just randomly tweeting anonymously because you had a, a real employer and you didn't want them to find out. And obviously eventually it gets picked up. Um, you know uh, other people start retweeting you because they notice you're funny. I don't know if you would use the NASCAR hashtag or, or fans had retweeted you and that caught people's attention. And then obviously it really launched in the stratosphere when, when Keselowski had talked to you. Talked about you on Sports Center, name dropped you, all that stuff on ESPN. Um, I even think we talked about that on the other podcast. So, I guess my question is, uh, leading into that, if, if somebody out there um, wanted to start an account, they, obviously you had nothing handed to you. So you this is a creation that you've made. What advice would you give somebody who thinks they're funny or or even a, a journalist, as far as building a following? How do you build a following on Twitter?
1: Well, first and foremost, I'd say I'm lucky in that, you know, I'm never going to say I'm good, but what you got to do is look for something that's nowhere else. Uh, At the time, you know, I looked around, it didn't look like too many people were uh, cracking bad dad jokes about NASCAR at the time. So that's why I figured, what the hell, let's give this a start. That's your niche. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Crappy dad jokes. That's what it's all about. But yeah, you know, it's, and that's what makes it hard is because, you know, you got all these. Whether it's a parody account or an animate object account or whatever it is, you know, it seems to me like the first of all of those seems to be the one that really takes off. And Twitter is so saturated now and it's been around so long that, you know, looking around and being like, boy, what's not out there that I can, you know, latch onto that I can make this account be about? What is there, you know? And I think, you know, certain accounts like, you know, especially the NASFAX account, which is one of my personal favorites, you know, that's one that somehow found this little niche and if you're not following it you should it's hard to describe i don't know how exactly i would describe it but it's a it's from the standpoint of an unintelligent person trying to tweet facts about nascar and again that that account didn't exist at all and so here it comes and it picks up a big following so i would say the most important thing like i said find something that hasn't been done yet and do that um and that's why you know accounts like for instance Dark, dark stock photos, a guy who finds stock photography that has these really creepy what the hell is this kind of connotations and put them out there. They get hundreds of hundreds of thousands of followers for that because they're the only person doing it. You know, so it's picking a weird idea like that and running with it.
0: It's very interesting. So in NASCAR, um, you've not only turned your Twitter account into a, a large following, but you've turned it into a job. Um, parlayed that into working for NASCAR.com. Now, how big of a part of Twitter is your job still today? I mean, um, obviously NASCAR.com pushes your stuff out, or um, they're, they're posting it, and, and you have uh, Facebook where you can do that. But how how much of a role does Twitter remain in your job?
1: Oh, very much. It's very very important. You know, there's it's really still the best way to get your stuff out there. Uh, we're all you know, serial link tweeters. That's what it's all about. So, you know, if I, I don't know. I, I don't really uh, look at click numbers all that much, but you, know, you need Twitter to get that stuff out there. It's, it's a good way. If you got a big following, it's a good way to yell at people and be like, hey, look at this. So yeah, Twitter is still 100% important. So,
0: so just moments ago, actually, before uh, we started this interview, I noticed that You had retweeted something funny about Chad Canales lying on the ground. You made a a Titanic joke, and Dale Jr. retweeted, quote-tweeted you and said, ha, 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 ha. Well, what's it feel like when uh, a notification pops up on your phone that says, Dale Earnhardt Jr. retweeted you and laughed at your joke? Here's the deal.
1: I've always likened, when Dale Jr. joined Twitter, you know, obviously big deal, but now if it's like if Dale Jr. retweets you or quote-tweets you or answers you on Twitter, I always liken it to if you're like a nerd in high school and suddenly the quarterback of the football team says hey you can sit at my lunch table it's like that's how it feels it's like oh my gosh oh my gosh I hope I don't make him mad hope I don't make him mad hope he likes me you know it's it's that kind of reaction but uh yeah it's it, it's kind of it's kind of akin to that there is a oh my gosh what do I say next kind of sort of deal with him because he he's just the overlord
0: you know I'm sure he knows that <laughs> So I was talking uh, earlier in the fan zone to Connor Daly. We were talking about the EDM concerts that have been going on here. And you walked by, and Connor Daly stopped, and he said, hey, the famous guy, basically, to you. And so, But it's really funny, though, because, I mean, both in the IndyCar world and NASCAR world, I mean, the drivers, I would say, I mean, 90% more, maybe. You don't have to say that, but I feel like they know you. Now, how many of them do you know or have personally interacted with um, I'd say a few not I a few not
1: really all that many I don't really I've never felt like I should be in the position or was in the position where I could bum rush a driver and say hey you know who I am you know that's it's I've never really <laughs> I don't I don't want to say had the courage to do that but you know the way it started out is you were kind of a troll you were kind of cracking jokes in the background and um, I, you know, I feel like to a degree it should kind of stay in that regard now you know, if I meet a driver, you know, I've obviously I've met Keselowski, who has been tremendous. Uh, I've actually met you know Jamie McMurray on more than one occasion, and he's actually a very very good guy. That whole uh, if if you're still confused about that, that whole thing was like Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon light. Okay, your your uh, pretend feud. Yes, yes, exactly. And they're usually all you know very very nice. Um, the uh, I, I do have a couple of funny. Interactions, you know, the first time I met people, kind of stories. Yeah, you know, you know, usually they're like, "Oh, that's you," handshake, and then they go along their way, you know. and But um, think I, I, I think I told this on the uh, the Nate Ryan podcast, and this might have gotten taken out actually. So um, if you have to edit it out, also. But uh, several years back, I went to the uh, for IndyCar. I went out to the IndyCar finale in Fontana and Will Power won the championship that year and the the night after they had the banquet at a theater downtown and then the after party and so on and so if you know at the after party it's going on for a while it's a fun time and uh one of my friends out there says hey man you got to come meet Will Power," and i'm like no oh, okay sure i'll do that so he takes me over you know past the uh, the velvet rope where the uh you know the vip winner is and will's there and uh brian you know, a friend there says um Hey, Will, I'd like to uh, introduce you to my friend Dave here. And, you know, Will does his said. "Hi, oh, pleasure to meet you. How you doing? And then I see him, my friend, kind of lean in and whisper into Will's ear. And Will turns to me and gets that signature lemur-like wide-eyed look and goes, Get fucked, really? <laughs> so that's uh, that was probably the highlight. You know, I, I don't get hi, nice to meet you that often. That's what I get, so.
0: Yeah, and I think on the on the podcast that we did um, in May, you told a story about Carl Edwards pointing at you and yes. gesturing at you and stuff. Um, so, like, for, so for instance, have you have you had a chance to say hi to Dale Jr. ever? I met him in passing once years ago, but you know, it's it's kind of
1: hard to do that, you know. And, and you know, sometimes in the beginning, a lot of people are like, "Oh, hey man, you got to say, got to come by and say hello," and. You know, if you're at a track on a day where there's practice or the track is hot, coming by and saying hello is a very, very difficult task. You know, by that, do you mean do I loiter outside your motor coach? Uh, do I come by your hot? You know, it's just hard to do. So, uh, like I said, I got to meet him once in passing uh, years back at Michigan, but um, nothing since. But he's a busy guy. It's okay. It's all right.
0: Um, one thing I notice about your Twitter account is you're not only interactive with. Uh, the drivers of course they're replying to them or tweeting at them but you're very very interactive with uh, the, the people who are replying to you the regular readers um, and I notice that because you know sometimes I'll tag you in something or you know a story that you know a podcast we did whatever and you you will be you know they'll tag both both of us in reply and I might hit like on it but you're writing back and you're saying hey thank you so much thank you so much and then when I go to your feed I'll notice there's just you know lists of reply, reply, reply. Like you are extremely interactive with people. Why do you choose to write back and say thanks to all these people who are commenting back to you? Well, I mean, it's the absolute least you
1: can do. You know, again. Uh, it's not the least because I, I do less. <laughs> <laughs> valid point, valid point, no. You know, for me, this this is going to sound like just totally lame, but if someone's willing to like click a link that you barf out there and read it, read through it. To me, I mean, every single. To me, I don't think I deserve a single click, but these people are doing that, and if they take the time to say, "Hey, that was good," like I said, the least you can do is say thank you because I know how probably painful it is to be a longtime follower at this point, and you know, if they hadn't clicked follow. Way long ago, then, you know, I don't know if I'd be here talking to you necessarily. So uh, so, yeah, so that's why, you know, that I wish I could, you know, take them all to dinner at some point. But, you know, journalism degree. So, um, uh, yeah, it's like I said, the least you can do. And and I try to do that as much as possible. One thing that um, I didn't realize would happen, but we, we recently got verified through Twitter. And I don't know how Twitter's algorithm works or how it figures out what it's going to put in your mentions and what it doesn't, but it seems suddenly to take a lot of those mentions out of your mentions timeline, like a lot of people are responding, but for some reason it's not showing up like and so to me that's almost. I didn't realize that was part of being verified was that would happen. But uh, so that's been kind of detrimental. So, you know, I got to go back and do a lot of uh, the searching just to make sure I get as many people as possible. So,
0: well, that's where I think uh, TweetBot can come into play for you. And I'll I'll try to sell you on that after the podcast. But TweetBot, of course, is a Twitter uh, app that you have to pay for. But you get every mention in there and you never have to go back. It never like. Um, stalls out. So like Brad Keselowski was saying one problem after the race, if he wins he can only go back and see like the most 20 recent replies or something and then Twitter just kind of, you just kind of lose them to history. But on TweetBot, if you got 300 replies they're waiting for you and you can go back. So that's something to look at anybody that's listening. Um, I want to ask you about Facebook as well. I know you're also on Instagram, um, but Instagram of course, it's hard to drive any links so you're just being funny there. You're just posting extra stuff, it seems like. Uh, Facebook, do you use for any sort of purpose uh, as far as driving links? Yeah,
1: I only use that uh, on a personal basis. I don't. It, it kind of doesn't make sense, really, because I understand that Facebook's probably the most visited and most heavily used form, and I don't have a page at all. Uh, so that's how much sense I make at times. But I only use it, um, like I said, for personal reasons right now. Um, I don't visit it that often, uh, to be honest, just because what they did with their timeline where suddenly it's this guy who uh, this your friends cousins uh godfather's second cousin like this page about Rush Limbaugh that's what it turned into and um yeah it it kind of sort of turned me off uh, in that regard so yeah we'll visit it from time to time but you know a not a lot of um My, uh, I guess Facebook friends, I would say, you know, fair amount or NASCAR motorsports followers, a lot aren't. So I don't feel like bombarding them with links necessarily. You know, if, if something funny happens at a track, I'll put a photo up or so, but yeah, like I said, I, I I don't want to, you know, be link bombing all these uh, people who have been friends for years necessarily.
0: So, and how about Instagram? Um, what do you typically, what's the, what do you feel like the goal is with that? Are you just having fun with it?
1: Really, that's just for fun. You know, I've always liked photography. Um, you know, my wife is into it too. And before this, I worked in graphic design, and so there's always been like a little visual interest, so to speak. And so I probably put way more up there than is necessary, but you know, to me it's just fun. Um because it's a much it's a much kinder place than Twitter is. You know, you usually get cool shot, bro. You know, that's like that that's the kind of comments you get there. So it's it's almost I liken it to this kind of sort of serene, peaceful area of social media where you can just go and look at all these pretty pictures and uh, and so on. And I, I tend to, um, I would say, post more than I should if I'm at a track or if I'm on vacation because on an average work week, yeah, I work from home. I don't see anything interesting or do anything interesting, you know? I don't want to uh, post a picture of my energy drink every morning necessarily or my breakfast, so... You know, that's why if we go on vacation or we come to the track and see something, that's why I'm just, you know, basically going completely nuts. And I think I mean I think remember you brought that up when you went to uh, Dubai for your honeymoon. It was like, what is the right amount to post on vacation? And, you know, for me, it's like if it's somewhere that I've never seen, like Dubai or when you went to China also, it's like you, there can't be too many. I, I want to see this place. I want to see it through your uh, your eyes and your perspective. So.
0: So you talked about uh, how Instagram is sort of a a, a nice corner of social media where you're not getting a lot of hate. So let's talk about uh, the corner where more hate comes, I guess, or or more negativity, which is probably Twitter. Um, By extension, somewhat Reddit, I guess, is is somewhat of a social media form in some ways. Um, You know, I, I do notice at times that people just want to take shots at you for whatever reason or, or you know, you, you tweet out something and, and they're like, oh, this is so lame, this guy. Um, so how do you react to that? And then how do you handle it as far as Twitter? I mean, do you use the block button? Do you mute people or do you ignore it? Uh, the ignore,
1: you know, it's uh, the block button is way too much work. It really is. And um, it's it's really, you know, you, you got to think t- to take the time to, you know, Hit reply and tell someone, you suck. It's like, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, to be fair, um, you know, <laughs> I'll put a lot of stuff out there where if I read it back, I would unfollow myself. I really do. You know, bad dad jokes all the time. But I figured at this point, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, everything I put out there I know is not gold. I really know. I mean, some of it's barely, like would you know so to speak so uh so yeah so you know people definitely have the right to do that but again it's more of just an ignoring thing you know it 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 eventually goes away so
0: i can tell you it, it does affect me at times when i get some of that negativity do you uh does it throw you off at all does it affect you
1: it did like early on you know there were uh some persistent folk some really really persistent folk but um like i said i don't hear from them anymore and um still hear shit posting. So, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: Okay. I, I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, you, you follow, you're a very funny guy. You follow a lot of, um, other funny accounts. Who are some of your favorite people to follow on Twitter? Cause you're always cited as, Oh, you know, when people say, when people say who's their favorite person to follow on Twitter, they're always like, Oh, NASCAR chasm is one of them. I see that named a lot. So, um, who are some of your favorites to follow on Twitter in general? Um, again
1: uh perhaps I'd say Nasfax is one of the funniest, just just because it's such a role-playing thing and it's 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 so bizarre. Um, you know, when it comes to humor, like I think Dale's really funny and I think Landon Castle's probably the funniest because he is so immersed in that millennial internet culture and can crack jokes to that audience that you know me i'm i'm pretty old you know and uh he's kind of like i follow him to see what the kids are doing you know what's hip and so on but uh you know my favorite i'd say another good follow my favorite comedian a fellow named anthony jeselnik and i believe that that is his uh twitter handle he is a comedian who i'm not sure if you're familiar with him at all
0: but um very biting uh very dark humor sort of right yeah um
1: you know, because I'm sure all of us, we've tw- we we've authored tweets and read it and deleted it. Been, that's too far. Or we've put stuff on our drafts folder where uh, maybe I'll tweet that later. I can't do that right now. He doesn't care. And that's what's amazing about it is he just doesn't care. He discussed in one of his specials why, you know, the whole too soon thing that, you know, happens in social media. When is too soon? and he talked about how on the day of any sort of tragedy he puts he puts a joke out about it and it was really fascinating uh, to hear why he said i'm not making fun of victims victims got victim shit to do (laughs) he says what i'm doing is i'm making fun of all these people who whenever a tragedy hits who feel the need to get on twitter and say my thoughts and prayers are with so and so and so and so.'" He says, that is like, what a terrible tragedy, but look at me. It's like a wedding photographer that only takes selfies. You know, it's, and so, you know, it's, it's, uh, Yeah, obviously I will never ever be at his level of not giving a shit necessarily, but it's just kind of be, it's just like, wow, you said that, you, you went there, that took guts and you're still here,
0: you know, so. What's next for you as far as social media? Where, where do you see this all going uh, for yourself? I mean, this journey's been hard to predict. Do you have any idea what the future looks like? That's the thing. I really don't because
1: going back to the fact that I don't know what to put on my business card, I don't know what the long term job outlook is for this, whatever it is. You know, there's really no prior sort of metrics or statistics or a person who did this before that I can, you know, go by. It's uh, I, I don't know if it's a temporary thing, but I'd be foolish to, you know, n- not be here and do everything I can because it's a lot of fun. You know, you know, it's, it's same with the I'm, I'm nowhere close to their level. But, you know, it's same with like the Barstool sports guys who have uh, suddenly taken this niche of sports and humor and mixed them. And they've just, you know, blown up exponentially. You know, we got to, you know, you got to do it uh, for as long as you can. You know, like I said, I was. Prior to this, I was working in production in print media and ain't like that was a growth industry. So, you know, I'll, I'll stay here and I'll uh, have fun. And like I said, uh, if it if it were to end, I'd just be grateful for the chance because, again, it's been so weird to just be here, you know, and for it to happen. So,
0: well, thanks for joining us uh, again. I
1: appreciate it. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jeff.
0: All right, everybody. So a fun podcast with nascar Chasm there. And, uh, you know, I, when I was at SB I did bring him on board because I noticed he was a funny guy and, um, nobody was really talking about him too much yet, but that is just luck on my part because I am 1000% sure that he still would have been noticed and would have made it, um, just to where he is today, perhaps even farther. Uh, had I not brought him on it with SB nation, seriously though, I mean, um, he was quickly picked up by Fox Sports a while after that, and then on to NASCAR.com where he's been um, pumping out all sorts of great content on a weekly basis. So it's on to Watkins Glen International. I am heading up there today, a day early, because I'm going to be on Sirius XM Satellite Radio tomorrow, the morning drive, subbing for Pete Pistoni. I'll be on with Mike Bagley from the track from 7 to 11 a.m. Eastern, if anybody's going to hear this in time to tune in. Then it's Watkins Glen Saturday and Sunday, another two-day show with qualifying on Sunday, like it was for Pocono. And I'll have a post-race podcast after that. So as always, thank you so much for listening. If you want to leave a rating on iTunes, I would appreciate that. And until next time, talk to you later on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.